Welcome to the Lifehouse Church Beloved Podcast. My name is Lena Hobson and I'm joined here by Carolyn Thomas and Debbie Singh. Hi. Hi. Thank you. <laughs> so we're talking again about rejection and, and strongholds. Um, and just to, to recap last week, we talked about Proverbs 29:25. Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Debbie, did you want to go through some of the quick lessons that we learned last week? Just yes. bring it on again. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. <clears throat> well, we were talking about... Um, I'm just looking back in my notes. <laughs> Uh, about what, what it meant for self... Oh, no, that's not the right note. Sorry. Just a far fear of man. <laughs> okay. So we talked about the fear of man and it's basically what what um, other... fear of what other other people think about us. And, um, Carolyn, you had way better answers than me. No, I didn't. It was the same thing. Just, yeah, what Debbie just said, what other people think. So, um Basically, fear of man is, is when man's opinion matches to you more than God's. And I and another part was about the fear of men will prove to be a snare. And we talked about snares, and I had said that it will trip you up, make you divert your focus to, from God to man, and it can also capture you long term in fear and rejection. And you had some good things. Yeah, and um, yeah, just really about it being a device <coughs> and. and flexible loop that's drawn tightly and we just talked about how you're not aware of it at first and how it just happens you know often subtly um and the more you struggle the deeper you become entangled and yeah so um and then we also talked about why we concern ourselves Mm -hmm. so much with other people's opinions and it's because we don't have our identity rooted in christ so we're looking for affirmation elsewhere outside of christ and so because we're looking for affirmation from other people, we care about what they think of us because we want that affirmation to come. Great. Well, did you want to talk more, Carolyn, about some of the consequences of fear of men in our life? Yeah, well, these were, um, you know, consequences of snares. And as we said, the Bible says fear of man is a snare. And then so a consequence of what a snare actually does to you or what it can do to you. Um and, yeah, girls, feel free to jump in if there's anything that, you know, any particular point that you want to add to. One of the consequences of snare is actually idolatry. And if you think back to the definition that we gave you, fear of man, where I said that um, fear of man is where man's opinion matters more than God. And that's why it's idolatry, because if you care more about what person thinks of you than what God thinks, then you're going to actually be seeking to please them to earn their approval or their respect, and that makes them become an idol for you. And, I mean, it's not necessarily on that person. They not may not be aware of it, but it's what you're putting on there and it becomes an idol for you. Um, a second consequence of a snare is ineffectiveness. And um, that, that often would lead us, fear of man, to neglect what God's called us to do because we're worried or we're too preoccupied with what people are thinking and so we may not do certain things because we're scared that they might disapprove of that. Fakeness is another one. If you're overly motivated by the opinions of other people, then you're not going to act as yourself or who you really are because you're going to be like a chameleon. You're going to adapt to any situation that you're in for the sole purpose of fitting in with that person or with that particular group. And um, this next one is is one that I've talked about that I struggled with, and um, it's it's not taking risks. It's a fear of taking risks, or I suppose you could call it apathy, if you like. Um, 
where you don't want to take a risk because of the potential for failure or the potential for embarrassment. And so if an endeavour is un unlikely to succeed or if, it's, if you feel it's going to embarrass you, then you won't take the chance to do it. And that's what I talked about last week where, you know, I wouldn't want to, to speak or whatever because of the fear of getting it wrong or doing something like that. And this next one is really important, especially I think as well where, you know, you may be, well, for everybody because, you know, as, as friends and as brothers and sisters in Christ, we are called from time to time to speak into to each other's lives and, you know, but if you're in a position as well where you have to bring correction, um, one of the snares that you can face there for fear of man is dishonesty because it's tough to speak truth into someone's life because sometimes the truth can be painful and, you know, if we fear somebody's response, if we, we fear how they're going to react, then we might actually not say words that needed to be said, necessary words, because we care more about them liking us than we actually care about Jesus working mm. in their life because we're worried mm. about saying this to them. And, you know, I've, I've learned this with experience as well, that that negligence of doing that always causes more long-term long damage than it does actually hurt mm. in the present because... You know, I think pretty much most people, if they're called to speak into a situation, most people would do it with a lot of thought and a lot of love and stuff. And, and you know, it might be a hard work for someone at a certain time. But you actually, and I, and I have been guilty of this, of when I know I should be speaking and not speaking in because, you know, I excuse it with like, well, I don't think they're ready to hear it. But if God has really opened an opportunity and prompting, then whether they're ready or not, if that's what he's telling you to do. And in the long run, it's going to be beneficial. So, you know, you can actually be dishonest because you're not doing that. Another one is isolation as well. Um, because there, you know, you, you, you might not do fear of man. You're not going to um, give anything delegated out to other people because, you know, you, if they don't do a good job, it reflects badly on you. And so, you you know, you just feel you have you feel isolated. I've got all this. I have to do all of this alone on myself. And then another one is Sorry, decision. Yes, isolation is one that a lot of mums would, yeah, you know, because if, if they're doing the wrong thing, then that can reflect badly on me. That's right, yeah. And so you may not as well even share your struggles. Mm -hmm. And that in particular as well, if you're struggling with a situation, you don't want to look like, oh, no, I don't, know what, mama, I don't yeah, know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing. And, you know, Debbie, we, we've probably talked before about this, um, you know, um, that sometimes as well, you know, we're really in a situation that we've prayed for and dreamed about or whatever, and then it is difficult and we struggle and sometimes as well we feel we can't ask for help or say something because, you know, people will just throw it back on us or reject mm. us, like, well, that's what you wanted to suck up and get on with it, which is crazy because, you know, it doesn't mean situations are easy just because you prayed for them or something, <laughs> you still got to work, you know, yeah. through it and, and, yeah. and need help, so... And then um, the last one I've got is decision paralysis. And, and again, there we're living out of fear rather than what the convictions God giving us. And so we just in circles, unable to move forward. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's that chain as well. You might get to a certain point, push back, double-minded, cross-questioning yourself all the time, um, needing approval for your thought, um, you know, your thinking decisions are, if I do this, oh, what's so-and-so going to say, or shouldn't I do that, or, you know, what would so-and-so, or, or, or getting to a point where you feel you need to ask someone for your every decision, like, what do you think? And those are my consequences of snares. So you don't want to be in a snare. Karen. <coughs> <coughs> um, well, how about we give some, just some examples on how, other people think um, 
How about we give some examples on how other people's opinions have affected us while being a snare? Debbie, do you want to keep going Well, just going back to what um, I was saying about the isolation and, and, you know, being, since becoming a mum, you know, it's something that has, um, you know, you're not sure how how people perceive you as a a mother. But um, I have two boys one nearly seven and one nearly three, and they're very energetic and very rambunctious, I might add. Um, But I've been very worried about how their actions would um, reflect on on who who I am and how I mother. Um, And I've had advice or comments, um, yeah, advice, I use that term loosely because sometimes I don't think this, about the way that I discipline them or the way that I don't discipline them. And um, there was a situation where just before my eldest started prep, that we'd been worried about his speech. And um, I was having a conversation with a relative, actually, and I was saying about how I'd been worried about Asha and him getting ready for for school and, and, you know, how how it was going. And before I could get to the part where I was going to say to to her, you know, we're going to look into getting speech therapy for him, she jumped in and um, and asked if we are worried about him having uh, an attention deficit disorder or the like and because um, she'd been thinking that for a long time, you know, she was very concerned about that and um, at the time I was like, oh, kick me in the guts. Um, but even though it wasn't a direct hit on, on me, it was, you know, she was commenting about how my son behaved, it didn't make me think that I was, you know, doing the right thing. It made me think, oh, well, he obviously must be a bit crazy and out there to, um, for her to have thought that. I mean, we've got very different, she had children, she's, she has children and I have children and they're very different children um, and as all children are, but still in the back of my mind, even to this day, I still carry that thinking, you know, does, is there something wrong yeah I guess yeah. you know we're always constantly worried about that but you know and um yes yeah, so I carry that in the back of my mind but at the same time um I'm working on knowing that I am a good mother yeah. most days <laughs> <laughs> as my son will tell you <laughs> no that's good and you you tell yourself that it's yeah. good to talk to you and talk it into your soul yeah yeah because yeah. God made me a mother he would yeah. never yeah. Made me a mother if he didn't think I could do yeah. it. So. And that's it, and you are doing the best you can and what you know, and yes, yeah, so exactly. that's awesome. Can I just add one thing again about fear of man and you know, just the concept of fear? And this is a this is a profound statement, it's not mine, but you know, just really take it in. Fear and worship are reserved for God alone. Yeah, that's you know, um, good to remember. And because that you know, so fear of God is all you should have, not fear Mm. of man. Fear of God, because the word says that fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, and you learn the fear of God by being in His Word, learning about who God is, praying to God, and spending other time time with people with others who fear God. And so, just always remember that whenever you feel, you know, what's this person thinking? Okay, Mm. fear, and straight away that goes to idolatry, right? Because fear is reserved for God alone. Okay, so let's tell a story um, now when a person's opinion has actually just been perception on our part. It's not, it's not been um, reality. 
Um, I have just like a real funny one. <laughs> um, years and years and years ago, when we were first starting Life House, it was like cornerstone back then. We were having these um, we were having gatherings at Dover and Carolyn's house, and was, you know the house was full of people, and all of the glasses were used. And I was like, Carolyn, why can I? I need to do that again. <laughs> um, Carolyn, where can I get a um a glass to use? And um, you pointed to me at the drawer, and I pulled out one drawer and got this glass out. And then I realised you'd been pointing at the glass up and the drawer up, and I'd actually pull the drawer out with all your fancy fine glasses that weren't meant to be used. And um, they well, were by the general populace. Yes, but just for special people. <laughs> <laughs> and I and you weren't on that list yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I was like, you know, the 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 things that um. That uh, you know, it's like you get into a situation like you you're too late. Once you realise what they've said, like it's too late for you to backtrack. <laughs> you're like committed already. And I remember going home just like freaking out over this stupid thing about using the wrong glass. Like, what's she gonna think? She oh now she knows that I'm not honouring her and that I don't value what she has to say and I'm not listening. I must be really silly. Now Lena just goes and drops her milk out the fridge. <laughs> talk, right? And Carolyn's like, what glass? I had, I had special glasses. <laughs> I was going to say, explain why that would have just been a perception. <laughs> Carolyn's not, not fussed about that sort of thing. Kitchen stuff and household stuff. Values like the person more than the stuff. <laughs> Uh, anyway, that's just like a funny little example of how we can fool ourselves about the smallest thing to the biggest thing, other people's opinions. And clearly, Lena didn't know me very well either, so she would have been having an opinion about what I was like. As well. <laughs> Forming new friends is always fun, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, Debbie, it is not fun. <laughs> yeah, horrible, awkward, in between stage. But just think, if you didn't have that... What will we be talking about right now? You know, you never know. It's like, yeah, Lena, pour me a glass as well while you're in the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> so all my one very big example for me was um, when I was about 19, I got a tattoo. <gasps> I know, all these people are <laughs> going, what, this Christian, lovely Christian lady has a tattoo? Yes, I really do. Um, the night before I got the tattoo, I told my mum and dad, so I was, I, was of, I was an adult, I was of age, I was allowed to do whatever I wanted to do. So I told my mum and dad about it. It's okay, it's not anywhere rude or anything, it's just on my back, it's okay. Um, and um, I want to see it after this though. So the night, yeah, so I had told them and they kind of said, hmm, I don't think it's a great idea, but you know, whatever, you're an adult and you can do it if you want to. Anyway, so the next night after I got it, I, I wanted to show them what it was. And um, it's a picture of a butterfly, just for all those curious cats out there. And um, and I wanted to show mum and dad both what it looked like so that they knew I didn't get this like, monstrous big shark or bear on my arm. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> like my brother might have gotten. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I wanted to show them. And I showed mum and she's like, oh, that's nice. You know, that's not as bad as I thought it would be. And. And I went to show my dad, and I said, oh, Dad, do you want to have a look at my tattoo? And he said, no, I don't want to look at it. And even to this day, I know that they were his very words, I do not want to look at it, at it. What my heart felt and what hit me was exactly what you were talking about earlier, either, I don't know whether it was tonight or, or last week, in, in that, you know, what we hear mm -hmm. 
is not always what we actually live yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, what I heard was, I don't want to look at you. Mm. And that that was, I felt rejection at its worst that yeah. time. And and for years after, like that, it, it took it took Dad and I nearly a whole decade to to get over that. And I mean, we our relationships restored now, and. And we, we laugh about it now. and But at the time, like, it took a really long time before that even came to the surface again and was able to be talked about. But, yeah, so that just that, you know, just a small comment again, you know, I don't want to look at it. Mm. And he didn't he, he didn't want to look at, yeah. at it. That was fine. That was his his actual choice. Yeah. choice. And, but, yeah, it, 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 yeah, all because of my perception, it yeah. tore our relationship apart. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, just we're talking these stories like you know, it's the smallest thing that we can just take and just totally blow out of proportion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it takes a light to start a fire. Yeah, yeah, that's mm-hmm. good. And again, as as I've said before, it's always energised as well. So to mm-hmm. the world, capitalise and energise that that emotional sting when yeah. you get that you know rejection, and he's ready to capitalise on that. Yeah. All right, so let's read a quote from Joyce Meyer, again from her book, The Roots of Rejection. Just because people reject your opinion does not mean they are rejecting you. They can disagree with you and still love and respect you as a person. You must give people the privilege of disagreeing with you or there is no basis for a good relationship. All right, so let's look specifically at just because people reject your opinion does not mean they are rejecting you. All right, so thoughts, girls, on that statement. Well, do I agree or do I disagree? Yes and no. Um, my opinion is my opinion and your opinion is your opinion. I don't think you can really reject somebody else's re- opinion without rejecting them. Um, however, I think you can definitely disagree with their opinion without rejecting them. Does that make any sense? Our opinion is not always going to be the same as everyone else's because we're all different and see things differently. Sometimes you might have a situation where you need to be of the same opinion and then in that case you really can't reject it. So the girl's like, you're going crazy. So basically what I'm saying is just, it's just, I think for me it was in the wording of how it says because I think, you know, your opinion you is something that you formulate yourself. No, 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 no. It's Joyce Myers. It's okay. <laughs> your friend Joyce won't mind. I'm saying personal friend. But it, it um, you know, your your opinion of what my boots look like is your opinion, and my opinion of what my boots look like is my opinion. So, just if you have a different opinion to mine, I can't say no, no. You're wrong and I reject that. Mm-hmm. Because if you're telling somebody that they're wrong and they're rejecting it, then you're kind of rejecting, you know, you're not, yeah. you, are, you are to an extent rejecting part of them because it's it's who they are oh, that they're forming opinion. opinion. Yeah, that's what I mean, yeah. Yeah, and I think what it's saying there is just trying to distinguish and show you that if someone disagrees with you or, or doesn't hold the same idea, they're not actually rejecting you as a person. Um, you know, uh, I think, uh, and the problem I think is um, that the pain of rejection, it goes beyond your mind, it bypasses logic and it bypasses mm. your rational thinking and that's the problem because it is like me saying, well, 
you know, Lena, oh, I didn't enjoy that cake that you made. Hopefully I wouldn't say that anymore. But, but you know, but it doesn't mean that I'm rejecting you as a person and, and so, but for you, you'll just take on the emotional hit and I think that's what you're saying, Debbie, is in the bottom, that it's going to make you feel, well, that's part mm. of me. Mm. And and again, I think um, the problem here comes in is where your identity is not in Christ, then it's going to be in what you actually do mm. um, and your actions and, like you say, it might be what you're wearing or whatever. And so that's why criticism um, or an opposing opinion triggers that rejection for you. Because, um, you know, your identity might be in, in, in that. Um, your identity, we, you know, could be in your children, it could be in your job, it could be in skills that you do, it might be in your cooking ability or whatever. Um, and, and that gives you identity. And so you don't actually separate it from who you are. And so you would take any opposing opinion as rejection of you as a person because you are finding your identity in, you know, other things. Yeah, I think there's a level of maturity that we have to come to to be able to separate like our ideas, our plans and dreams is they're different from us because like, you know we can pour so much of ourselves into I've put together this idea, this is what I need, da, 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 another person will be like, so you like you know when you're married these things happen, <laughs> you come with an idea that you think is amazing and they're like that's just awful. Yeah. <laughs> that's the one thing that kept coming up for me in these questions too. <laughs> That's the person and I <laughs> disagree with the most. Yeah. Well, you think your opinions do change, you know? Yeah, yeah they, they do. do change over your life. So, you know, it's, it isn't who you are, but it's because, yeah, where our identity is and, and we take it as a mm. personal criticism. When I was 15, I wanted a lime green wall in my room. Now that I'm not 15, would not want <laughs> a lime green wall. <laughs> <laughs> and so have you forgiven your parents for disagreeing with you at that time? No, because my room ended up being rejection. completely painted yellow, which was <laughs> no way my plan. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot to mix the blue in with it <laughs> to make it green. Mm. But I do, I, I was just going to say, I do agree with what you're saying, you know, like the, the part about that, you know, they can disagree with you as, as a person, you know, so... But I know where you're coming from. Yeah, it's, it's especially if it's an opinion or something that's dear to your heart, it's like it does feel like a personal attack. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I, this is one of the areas I struggle with the most, like that defensiveness in my marriage. If Ben's like, no, let's, no, let's not do that. I'm like, ah, but I put so much of myself into this amazing thing. Why don't you like it? Yeah. What's wrong with me? <laughs> and, and I think that flows on. That's what I've got for the next part you know, they can disagree with you and still love and respect you as a person. And I had to think of the example of marriage as well, like, <laughs> you know, because obviously David and I would have disagreements and stuff. And I, I really am not at the stage where I think he doesn't love me because he doesn't agree with me. Yeah. I just think he doesn't realise he's wrong yet. <laughs> 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 I say, Ben's always like, why are you so adamant in your opinion? And I'm like, because I'm right. <laughs> You're right. Seriously, don't go away like really wounded and thinking, oh, he doesn't love me because he's disagreed. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And of course, part of that would be as well that I trust him and stuff. So, I guess that all ties up as well. Someone yeah, maybe definitely. you don't know as well, don't trust. Yeah. You might perceive it more as a thing, and you've just got to really work through that. Yeah. Hmm. Um, so, the last part is you must give people the privilege of disagreeing with you, or there is no basis for a good relationship. So, do we agree with this statement? Well, I totally do because yeah. it's about having maturity and depth in your relationships yes. to stand the test of I don't agree with you, 
yeah. and we're still okay. And and that's the thing as well. I totally agree as well. And like you said, Lena, because if you can't disagree with someone, and 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 you know, I've talked about that as being a snare or the fear of man, where you become dishonest because you can't actually say what needs to be said or you can't be honest with them. Um, I find a lot of frustration comes out of that as well because it's just, you know, you mm. can't be honest, you can't speak. And I'm not talking about just being honest in the wrong way. Mm. But, um, you know, if you have to worry that, or every t- I'm going to have to worry because they're so touchy on this or I can't say that or whatever, then you're not going to be able to have anything but a superficial surface relationship mm. because you're not going to be able to ever get into deep issues or open yourself up to the person and they won't open up to you and so it's just going to be superficial. Mm. So to have a healthy relationship. And, you know, I think most women as well, um, one of their heart's cries often is they want deep and meaningful relationships. Mm. And if you are so defensive, you know, it might be because you've got all these wounds, but again, you haven't dealt with them. And if you are so defensive that um, people cannot disagree with you and you take it personally and you take it as a rejection, then you're not going to have close friendships because people have to watch what they say around you all the time and, and, and people don't really want to be around that, basically. Yeah, I was just saying that, um, you know, if you don't allow somebody that privilege of choosing if they agree or disagree with you, then it just becomes a dictatorship, yeah. really, doesn't it? It's yeah. not it's not a, you know, give and take and, you know, kind of, a, well, any kind of relationship, it's a dictatorship. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, I guess it's, it's really important that we, we remember, you know, we've been talking about perception and stuff and... It's really important that we have to remember that perception is not always truth. It's not, it might not be reality. And so we've got to separate ourselves, you know, from this is what, you know, the opinion is or the perception. I've lost my point, but anyway, you know, take it. Cool. All right. So we're going to actually wrap up there, ladies and gentlemen. Um, so just as a, as a quick recap, for everyone so we've we've looked at you know we shared a bit of our story of sort of trying to demonstrate the difference between um, when we um, you know we take rejection from something that someone says or when the case is that we've just actually imagined that they've said that you know we've engineered it with being energized so that we're taking it in a way that wasn't ever intended so you know we um, hope that you can take that and sort of begin to use that to sort of look at situations in your own life where that may be happening and um, to see the truth in that. Um, and we talked a bit about how um, just because people reject your opinion does not mean they're rejecting you, that, you know, that we are, we are separate from that um, and learning how to sort of operate with maturity, not to take that as rejection, but that person still loves and values us even if they disagree with us. So we have a challenge for everyone this week. We would like you to meditate on the statement, just because you feel rejected or perceive rejection doesn't mean you are really being rejected. And, you know, as you're meditating on that, just have a think about sort of, you know, situations in your day-to-day life where, um, yeah, where there's some things that you might need to deal with and whether or not you're actually being rejected. Alright, so thanks for listening to us. If you would like to get in contact with us or check us out, um, you can pop onto our website www.life-house.net or you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com Lifehouse Ministries.
Bye. We'll see you next week.